G'day and welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Show, the show that gets you over the game line on everything Australian rugby. We're coming to you either via our podcast or the Eon Sports Radio Network. Uh, if you haven't heard of us before, greenandgoldrugby.com is the beating heart of Australian rugby online. Go and check us out. You can find more podcasts and you can find all sorts of things, analysis, humour, a forum full of people going crazy at each other. Um, go and check it out. But anyway, tonight I am joined by... Uh, I'm Matt Rowley, I should say. I'm your host for tonight. I'm joined by Rugby Reg. G'day, Matt. And also Hugh Cavill. Evening, gents. Uh, good to have you guys here. Now, uh, regular listeners will know it's usually Reg who's doing this, but, mate, you've um, you've had your feet up for the last couple of days, haven't you? Yeah, mate, been away for a family vacation down to the Blue Mountains, which was wonderful, but I'm a little bit shagged, big, long bushwalks during the day and late nights drinking at night. So just uh, I needed to step back tonight and hand over a full responsibility to, to yourself. Now, mate, um, you say drinking there. Uh, did you have any good beers by any chance uh, when you were on your holiday? I had lots of good beers and I've got a couple right next to me, mate. In fact, could you believe, guess which one I've chosen to go with tonight out of due respect for the uh, the great history that is green and gold rugby. The, the Prickly Moses. <laughs> oh, gosh, that'll be testing people's um, memory and uh, longevity with, with the site. So the Prickly Moses. So now... Um, we should say this was a pretty tortured segue into us talking about <laughs> a great deal that you guys can get. Um, we are partnering with uh, the craft beer market and they have put together um, a stunning 16 uh, different Aussie craft beers uh, in a mixed case. Uh, they will get it delivered to your door for just 84 bucks. So that's now, end to end. Hugh. Matt, uh, just a question. Um, yeah. Chris, Christmas is coming up. Yeah. Uh, you know, for, for someone in the family that, that you never know what to get, you know, a dad or an uncle or a oh. you know, brother or a son. I have problems you know, like someone, that, yeah. I mean, you could get them a shirt or something like that or a book yeah, or, you know, the latest boring. one of the 15 different cricket autobiographies that are on the market uh, on the available for purchase at the moment. Mm. But, you know, they, they're going to read that and they're going to be done with it. And it's just sort of something you give to someone without much thought. But, um, geez, that... that uh, 18-pack of beers from, from the craft beer market. They're all different. It's not just a case of a case of regular beer. It's They're all lovingly selected. And I'm, I have to say, Matt, I'll talk to you. I'm, I'm just currently cracked open a, a delightful uh, uh, golden session ale. And oh. I'm, I'm using my green and gold rugby Waratah's 2014 commemorative stubby cooler. So you can't go wrong on both counts, can you? Um, <laughs> you certainly can't, mate. Just looking through that. And, and it's brilliant not, lineup. What a year that was to 2014, mate. And it's not you're not giving somebody beer. You're giving them an experience. You're giving them memories um, that they'll have as you share those beers around, uh, you know, the Christmas table or whatever. Anyway, look, there's enough of that. But if you go to thecraftbeermarket.com.au forward slash Gaga84, G-A-G-R-84, you'll see the offer there. Get stuck into it. Help yourself. Help us. Help a friend um, and go for it. But look, um, we've got a lot on tonight, actually, so we should um, probably stop mucking around and have a bit of a chat. So we've got our burning questions, as usual, tonight. Um, first one's going to be, how did that French win rate? Was it the best of the year so far? Ooh, controversial. Two, was Checker right to rest so many players? Three, who are your most? Who are you most excited to see for the French Barbarians? Um, 
I think that's playing against the French Barbarians, I, I hope, because I have no idea who's in the French Barbarian team. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, uh, number four, what's the key to beating Ireland? Interesting. They've been doing pretty bloody well. And number five, what caught your eye in the weekend internationals? And we can have a, a good old... Uh, sort of wang there but before we get into it then just talking about the french barbarians um you know talking about the, let's talk about the australian barbarian side actually um some uh, some interesting names in there we'll, we'll get to them a little bit later on some of them are a little bit senior should we say um and a little bit left field so um i just wondered if maybe if you guys um could dream about having someone in this aussie barbarian side if there's someone you'd like to see who would it be reg who would you uh, put forward or like to see Running on in gold. Mate, mate, all about building fences. I would have thought this might have been a good chance uh, for Billy Pulver to have his say and, and get Brett Papworth selected for <laughs> the, the Australian <laughs> Barbarians team. I think that would have been quite interesting. But given Papworth is maybe just a little bit too senior, the one I thought was his name come up, I think, just last week uh, with the, the Brisbane International Tens tournament being launched or the draw being announced. Chris Latham was named as a potential wild card for the Reds. Um, hasn't played for a couple of years. Apparently, he's still fit. Uh, coaching one of the Japanese teams over there, but maybe this would have been a good sort of a build-up pre-season training for Latho. Give Latho a go at fullback for the uh, the Aussie Barbarians there. St. Latho, that is a wild card. <laughs> um, yeah, he could do nothing wrong, especially in a lot of Queenslanders' eyes. Um, would good to see. Would be good to see him running around. Uh, and if he is going to be playing up the tens, Hugh, who would you have running out, mate? Well, I mean, it's it's a barbarians game, and so I think you've you've got to um you've got to look look for people that can really you know play a bit of a wider game. And I'm just thinking, uh, our props as much as I like you know Sefagazi and some of those guys, I'm not sure that they've got they've got what we what we need in terms of really you know getting the game going and a bit of flair. I mean, I, I'd say I think I think I'd bring back Matt Dunning. Yeah. Let's, oh, let's get him back out on the nice. field. Well, I mean, the, pinch the French, a couple of intercepts. Mate, the French would have had him last weekend, eh? He would have knocked that over. No problem. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. We need someone to slot drop goal, take intercepts, uh, and that's it. <laughs> Can he still play prop, though? Have you seen him? Is he still, uh, uh, you know, skinny ass? Yeah, he might I think give him a nine, yeah. Give him a long-distance flight, and we can fuel him up with as much <laughs> beer and carbs as we can before he gets off the plane well mate i'm also going back to that vintage um and also just happens to be a uh, waratahs player um i think we need to inject some class into the back line and a much underrated player which i'm sure everybody here would love to see back on the field again sam norton knight um, <laughs> it's, it's, um i don't think we've seen a man stride like sam used to be able to do for quite a long time and, um, you know, he, he kind of looked kind of looked like he never broke from a jog, deceptive pace. Um, and obviously always bringing a bit of fun fireworks, like with Lottie Takiri and things like that. I actually <laughs> I actually um, had a look up. Sam, he's still playing. So he's really? At, yeah, he's still playing in Japan, um, I believe. Um, so he went from... Um, uh, he went to the Cardiff Blues, and then from there he yep. went to the Panasonic Wild Knights, then the Kubota Spears, and currently, I believe, um, with the NEC Green Rockets, and that was correct as of the 24th of July 2016. So he's still playing. He could, um, inj- and he's got obviously he's got a couple of caps for Australia as well, so he could inject um, into there. Um, all right, some good selections there, fellas. But um, let's get into these serious questions. Uh, the first one um, we had tonight. How did the French win rate? Uh, was that the best of the year? So lead us out there, Barbara. I, I get the feeling you might have been excited about it. 
Yeah, I, I think it was win of the year. And whether that says more about the wins that we've it's, had so far this top, year. Yeah, it's got to be top five, doesn't it? It, 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 <laughs> it does. It does. It's, you know, if anything, it's on the podium. Um, uh, I think as well, you, you look back and, and we're going to get to the other internationals later, but I think it's, the field is starting to sort itself out and we can sort of see that, you know, what teams are like. And I don't think Wales are, are, are at all good. And and that no. win probably flattered flattered us a, a bit in terms of you know a, a wide scoreline where we should have put them away regardless. Scotland or Scotland and that was a good win. But I think going into France, going into start um, Francais there and uh, we'll start the France I think it is um, and and beating uh, a really good French side that came you know um, came ready to play and, and were certainly putting together some really lovely passages of play. Mm. Um, I think that's probably our, our best win and, and then you couple that with the fact that we had some, some new players out there who all acquitted themselves really well uh, mixed in with some old guys like you know David Pocock who had a, had a superb game and, and you know Rob Simmons had a good game and and uh, good to see Tavita Kurindrani continue his good form. So, look, I think for what that was, scoring three tries and and uh, and you know getting a fair bit of time with the ball in hand and, and managing to to close out the French and, and get the win. Um, yeah, there's not much to pick from in terms of our wins this year, but I think it's it's probably it's probably the best one we've had. Yeah, I mean, look, just um, before I throw to you in a second, Rich, just running through the stats, it was a bloody tight game. Obviously, it was 25-23 by the end. Um, French narrowly missed winning it uh, with a drop goal that just went wide, and a lot of people are talking about there might have been potential for a a penalty before that as well. So it was a really, really um, tight win, but it was three tries apiece. Um, Bernard Foley's um, kicking probably just got us there. He had like an 80, another 80% um, kick rate. But I mean, the French, um, you know, otherwise kind of like the Scotland game, um, they did us for numbers really. So, um, you know, they were passing more, they were running more, they ran uh, more metres with the ball. So that was, you know, 500 metres to about 360 um, to us. Possession stats around about the same. But then you get to things like clean breaks. They made 18 clean breaks versus our six. Um, and they made 34 offloads versus our eight. They kind of were back to that best, that little French pop passing um, that they can do that's so dangerous, especially amongst um, the forwards. Probably the other thing that stood out there, um, scrums and own feed, they had six, lost uh, one six, lost zero. Um, we um, won zero, lost three. Um, and I think that's probably, Jeez, yeah. that's, that's a big talking point from the match, I think. Um, so look, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty tight, uh, but we managed to squeeze out a, a win. Where does it sit for you, uh, Rich, as far as uh, wins this year? Like you say, it's def- definitely top five. <laughs> oh, look, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a moot argument, isn't it? Because it's, uh, it's probably the, the hardest team. Of, looking at the scale of all the other victories that the teams we've beaten have had this year, Argentina, South Africa, um, Scotland and Wales, I think it's pretty easy to say. It's the it's the number one win. Look, I, I was really impressed with France, and I, I you know I thought they'd pull away with it. I thought that drop goal decision was odd as you know, unless he thought he had the advantage, which was by no way indicated. But mate, they should have held on to that possession, and they would have come away with that game. But uh, talking about France first, I love the way they play. That you know the the constant offloads, the wide ball. It, it, it's just that France of old that have all you know that I grew up watching the the Sellers, the the, the Blancos, all that sort of stuff. It was fantastic to watch. Uh, Wesley Fofana um, in at inside centre was was superb, and you know um, the whole pack was, was was wonderful to see how they got those offloads away. But in saying that, the Aussies did really well against it, and, and I don't know if if Czech 
uh, expected it and, and had or Nathan Gray, whomever, them together as a team. But he had them running out of the line, didn't he? He really had that aggressive mm. up-and-end defence working well, um, which is risky play because if the French got outside them, which they did a couple of times, they made a bit of space outside. Um, but they really wanted to shut them down and, and bring them back on the inside, which uh, which worked on occasions. But uh, I, I, I look, I, I thought for the nature that French brought what France brought to the game, excellent by them. But just the fact that we got over with those players we talked about um, was superb. I thought it was a it was a great win. Well, and let's just talk a little bit about what was probably one of the few, I think, negatives that you could talk about out of the game from an Australian perspective, which was the scrum. Um, yeah, are there alarm bells there? I mean, I think I'll, prob- I'll probably stay with you here, Reg, uh, being yeah. an ex-front rower yourself. And obviously, uh, for example, James Slipper, I think, um, was seemed to be having some problems there. What, what was your whole take on that one? Did the French get away with a bit? Or is James struggling a bit at the moment, do you think? Uh, look, I think, I think the French get away, but that's every game, you know... The... Teams are going to get away with things in that front row. I think James is struggling. I mean, he's up against that 130 kilogram monster um, for France, that, who, who you know ran with the ball well. Had a cracker last week. Uh, did he uh, versus Samoa? Um, but uh, a, few, a bit loose this week. But in the scrums, he's huge. Slips his forms down. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if his shoulder issues still, or whether he should be even on to, or whether he needs to be back in Queensland, sort of recuperating. But what what shone out to me was the fact that. I kind of expected once um, once those replacements came on, uh, you know, Steve Moore came on, uh, who else, Tom Robinson and Scotty C.A. came on. I thought, OK, this will shore things up. But the first time that those three guys were on again, we got mullet. It was just, it was worse. So I don't know what's going on there. That's that's a real concern for us, um, particularly, you know, sort of as we're a couple of weeks away from England. Um, that's, a, that's a bit of a worry for us. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me... There's two things. I think everybody knows we're going to try and get an early engage on. Um, and I think that's a thing that Ledesma, and if you, from what I hear, people have said, look, you know, that's a, that's a common Argentinian trick. They want to try and get, the, when I say trick, but they just, they just want to try and get that pressure on. So you, you're never going to be moving backward. You're always going to be moving forward. Um, and I think people are basically gaming that. So, you know, they'll basically ease off the pressure and see if they can draw that short arm and then maybe turn it into a long arm. And then I think the other thing that we saw, I mean, you know, because Dan Cole did it to Scott Seo, was you just drop that scrum in every single time. Mm. And, you know, and, and get get the referee guessing. And actually, more times often than not, they're going to guess against Australia. Um, you know, they just, it's, it's, it's a perception. And I, I thought you saw that, um, you know, with Jacko on the weekend, I think he just, he guessed a couple. And to me, it looked pretty obvious that I think, um, yeah, slips had struggled a little bit, but I thought that big guy slipped in quite obviously a couple of times, but maybe that's my green and gold glasses. I don't know. Why are we still being guessed against, though, Matt? I mean, didn't we have a strong scrum last year? Wasn't you know? Didn't we this reputation get alleviated? How how long do we have to keep you know you know rebuilding our reputation for these results to go the other way? I mean, I'll admit the scrum hasn't been great this year, but gosh, it was it was good last year. Why are we still on the back end of it? Yeah, I don't know. Why I don't it... think the scrum's been. I don't think the scrum's been bad this year, though, Reg. Mm. I mean, you, you, I think we're a far cry from where we were two or three years oh, ago. Where, you know, every yeah. game we were we were dreading every single scrum. You know, yeah, we concede some penalties, but we win some as well. And and I think we've nullified it as a weakness. And certainly, it can occasionally. Yeah, I don't think it is the strength it was last year, but I don't think it's a weakness. But that was a bit of a heart. You know, we sort of a bit of a hark back to the to the bad old days. Um, where, and we were just lucky there weren't more scrums. I think the first one was in something like the 33rd minute. Yeah. 
and and had there been you know had it been a real slog of a sort of game with a lot of drop ball, then we might have been in real trouble. But I don't know. I, I think last year we had two world class front rows, um, and I think now we've probably only got one. And uh, Alatoa and Robertson are still Robertson and Slipper are still you know are probably a step behind um, what Greg Holmes and Slipper were last year. So it's a bit of a shame, and, and we just don't have the don't, we just don't have the depth in those prop positions. Mm. Um, but but Robertson and Alato are both very very young, probably got ten years ahead of them. So you have got to think things can only get better. Mm. Look, look um, let's move on then to the uh, second uh, question we've got here, which is was Checker right? And I've got to say, um, I know I'm in the chair tonight, and um, I guess this is my chance. I don't know if I'm doing it right or wrong, but the vowel pronunciations that you usually have, Reg. Um, so, you know, obviously I'm saying Cheka rather than Chica. Um, you know, and, you know, Joe Tamani, not Tamane, and those sorts of things. So for regular listeners, I'm I sorry. think it's Tamone, wasn't it? Tamone. Joe Tamone, yeah. Joe Tamone. The mafia boss. Yeah, so I'm sorry if I'm confusing regular listeners. But anyway, look, yeah, was Cheka right to rest so many players? This was a massive heated argument um, that, that, that kind of boiled over in the forum. I think there's a lot of things involved here. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they, they got the win, but um, what did we get out of it? I'm going to... I'll go to you here again, Hugh. I mean, you know, was he was he right? Was it was it a good call? I think time will tell, Matt. I don't think we're actually at the end of this debate yet. I think we'll, we'll be able to have a bit of a clearer picture after the Island game this week because... Um, I think so far so good. I think you'd say at this point in time he was right. We won the game against France, but you know you would suggest we're probably a bit of an underdog there. We got uh, some great uh, game time for some players that have been on the periphery uh, this year, and and um, we've managed to rest uh, a few of those guys like Michael Hooper and uh, Israel Folau that have been sort of um, on the field for the bulk of the season now. Um, had you asked me that question last week, at this time last week, I'm not sure I would have agreed. I think he probably went a little bit too far with the changes. I think guys like Lopetti Tamani and Reese Hodge probably need all the game time they can get uh, at international level. But I think he's got the results and these guys come in fresh for the Ireland game. So I think if we can um, come away with a good result there, then you have to say he's come through it you know, incredibly and, and he's really um, pulled off something of a coaching masterstroke. Um, but, you know, coming back and having to reset those combinations and, and, and coming in with a, uh, a, you know, making 11 different changes now from last week to this week, whether that uh, t- tips things over a little bit too much, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I think I would have liked to have seen him make one or two less changes, but, um, but yeah, I, I don't think you can, you can really dispute the, the results so far. Mm. Reg, you were pretty fired up about this, mate. Where are you now? Yeah, I was, mate. And I, if I wasn't away... Uh, I would have fired up an, another article about this one. This one burnt me up pretty much. And it, it's almost a continuation of that article I did maybe a month or so ago, whereas about Chica's selection policy. And to me, I, you know, they've got the result. It's hard for me to dispute this. I, I agree with you. We won't be able to fully judge until the end, of, the end of the tour because, in my mind, the decisions made this weekend were about them winning the Grand Slam. So... We won't be able to judge until the Grand Slam tour is over. I hated it. I I, I was just so against it. it again, my, my feeling that this Wallabies have become a club team, a franchise team, whereby uh, there is none of the, you know, the, the Australian rugby union team used to be this representative team where you know it rewarded representation in the game and and, and performances were rewarded with jerseys. And and all of a sudden, you know, we've got Corrib 
Saturday in the, in the squad. And, and in that test team, as Hugh said, there were just too many changes. And Godwin played really well, but I don't think he deserved a 12 jersey. And, and neither did Lato in the two jersey. And, and these guys who got their test starting debuts um, and, and get a win for it. And, I, you know, I, I look like a fool in hindsight, but it was too much for mine. I, as Hugh said, these guys, uh, why didn't Hodge... Why wasn't Hodge playing? Wasn't Tamani playing? Those guys deserve the time. That they need to be back in that test team to add some legitimacy to it. Too many changes. Too gun ho. What was it? Eleven players, you know, rested from the team. Mm. Um, in the end, they got the win, and I, and I look like a fool because some of those guys played well. But you know, it's not over yet, as we said. And we play Ireland this weekend, and mate, they've got injuries all over the place after a tough game for the All Blacks. So we may get over them, which is, works in our favour. But then we've got England next week. So that's when we'll see the full results of it. But I, I hate it. I think this has got... We've got to you know, give more credence to what the Wallaby jersey is. You know, if they wanted to try players in different teams, this game on Friday versus the French Barbarians, that's when you try them, not in a test match. OK. Well, look, I mean, there's some very strong and uh, coherent and passionate arguments there, um, which I totally get about, you know, what the jersey means. Um Interestingly enough, look, you know, at the end of the day, as you said, there was a lot that came out of this. Um, I felt that what was really interesting was even with 11 changes and some people who seem to have been, you know, very much on the periphery of any squad, if, you know, if in the squad at all, really, um, what was interesting to me was how cohesively the team played. Uh, they, what was quite clear was they all knew the structure that the, that the team was going to try and play to, which is quite important because it's quite an ensemble game that the, you know, checker requires, um, you know, for his game plan. Um, you know, the forwards have to really uh, work hard to be able to give support um, to the backs, um, you know, and, you know, with, you know, cleaning out with minimal support, all these sorts of things. And I thought it worked really, you know, it worked really, really well. I thought actually we saw some, some of the better attacking play that we've seen actually for a long time, well, throughout this year and it was with so many changes I thought for example like you said Kyle Godwin what a revelation Mm. I mean I don't think we've seen that sort of skill from him since probably you know he was a young kid um, just starting out at the force and we all thought you know wow where could this guy go to and then he's disappeared for a number of years and you know clearly those who see him better than us um, you know could see that this was in him and and just needed to get it out of him And, and and here's the thing now is that you know suddenly you've got another Type of player as a as a you know potential choice there in that twelve jersey um, different to Hodge um, brings different skills and and a different type of player but you know you you've kind of you've got someone there Morahan um, as well geez I thought he took his opportunity yeah. really really well and just showed that even at an international level he's got that little something um, which is really elusive and we could really do with on, on one of the wings. So, you know, uh, there was those things and I thought also um, McMahon, it's a real pity about his ankle. Yep. I think he showed again how much he, you know, um, how much he can bring both over the ball but, you know, running. Um, so, yeah, that was probably my bigger thing was how that they these other players managed to slot in and, and, and you know, keep that checker ball going, which if you, if you look back to the beginning of the year um, when suddenly, you know, the you know, the sort of the three amigos had left from the Australian back line and suddenly we were feeling our way around and we couldn't find a 12 and, you know, um, we put Karevi in there and, you know, he wasn't quite playing and it didn't work well with, um, uh, you know, Foley. And then suddenly, you know, you go to the end of this year and in this sort of an experiment, we see, well, actually, geez, um, you know, we've got a few different options in there, which are um, really, really good. So look, uh, you know, 
the, the, the jersey representation to one side um, as an experiment you played off. The other thing I'd just say is when that we play against England, we're the only international test being played that weekend, and that will be the last yeah. international test for the year. So basically we're playing an extra test um, over and above the All Blacks fly home at the end of this weekend. Um, you know, for a well-deserved rest. So there might be an element within sort of Checker and the team's thinking, I think you're right. It's about, you know, make, giving us ourselves the best shot at the Grand Slam. And if that drop goal had gone over well, we'd still rested a bunch of good players. Um, but it's, I think it's probably also just, geez, they've had a long year. And, you know, if it saves a few of those people like, you know, like Hooper, for example, who must have played every minute of every game of rugby this year, um, a bit of a chance to regenerate. Maybe that was the thinking there as well. Well, and Michael Hooper as well, on most Saturdays, just drives around the suburbs finding games of rugby to play, getting out and playing subbies, juniors, anything. Well, <laughs> um, in centre, any Queenslander will tell you. That's right. A couple of quick comments, Matt, from me. One player that hasn't, well, I think was mentioned once, but I think Tolu Latu, he's still a bit of a rough, you know, rough around the edges, still makes some mistakes, but I actually think he might usurp Stephen Moore in the next 12 months. I think he's just got an edge. He's just got a bit more uh, of a dynamic presence. He's a bit harder ball runner, and he's got that ability to pilfer at the ruck. And you see, like, what Dane Coles and what Bismarck Duplessis and some of these really good hookers have that Stephen Moore might have had a few years ago but doesn't have any more. Just got that other string to the bow that I think might see him get ahead of Moore in the near future. Second thing is, um, I didn't realise this, actually, until the the, uh, the rugby report card brought it up. But um, that... They actually do the draw for the Rugby World Cup at, uh, I think, early next year or sort of midway through next year. And so these, there is actually some stakes to this. And, and we're currently in third at the moment. And if we can continue in third or, you know, let's hope maybe even jump up to second and, and get ahead of the Poms, then that puts us on the other side to the All Blacks in a World Cup draw and, and helps us to avoid another sort of pool of death scenario. Mm. So there, there is a little bit more than just the Grand Slam on the line. And, uh, um, you know, makes me glad to see all the other... <laughs> Major powerhouse teams falling away, and you know, and us us getting up there because at least if we're third, we're, we're guaranteed a pretty decent draw. Sounds good. Um, look, I think another player that I need to mention because this is the second week in a row he's done it is Rob Simmons. So Rob Simmons has his work rate. Yeah, he has once again topped um, the uh, yeah topped the Australian team in in runs. So 13 runs. Um, for 10 metres, so he's got it up from the 20 centimetres per carry uh, <laughs> last 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 week. Um, he, 16 tackles, so that's below Pocock, but that's the only person who beat him. Pocock came with 18 tackles. 16 tackles, no misses, um, and then obviously five um, you know five line out wins as well. So um, and only penalised once. So it's, um, it's it's the quintessential it's the quintessential Rob Simmons game, isn't it? Mm. And this is who he is now. We've got to accept him for who he is. <laughs> he he will get through a ton of work with little sort of um, impact or dynamism. He's not putting on massive hits. He's not charging through the line. But what he does, he does well. And he he runs a liner and he makes a bunch of tackles and hits a bunch of rucks. This is that is the Rob Simmons game. Uh, and I don't think it'll ever be any better, but I think, it, you know, it is what it is. And as a, as a, I think as our number three lock at the moment, I think what he offers is pretty good. Mate, he's also our third or fourth playmaker because uh, <laughs> in his kick-pass run, he actually passed five times and the only people who surpassed him were Godwin, Foley and Genia. So um, <laughs> he, he, he's our key distributor as well. Uh, so there you go. You, that, that must be warming your heart there. 
Uh, yeah, I love it. But uh, I did want to mention three other players. One is Simo's. Are we going to go through the whole? Yeah, yeah. The whole it, was one of, it was one of those games. Wasn't it? I mean, yeah, it was a good Queensland. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let me just see the state names. Um, so Kane Douglas, I, I haven't seen the stats, but I was really impressed with him. He seemed a lot more active in this game, and we, you know he's been off form this year. Um, uh, Bernard Foley, um, I, I think that was real critical for us that he started. I, I thought he provided a, a, you know, a great level of assurance uh, in, in that 10 jersey and obviously kicked the game for us, but I thought he played really well across the field. And the man we haven't mentioned, Kurandrani, or we may have mentioned, Kurandrani made great metres, but scored that outrageous try, which was, was just critical. Right. What a try. <laughs> that try, hey? Oh. Right score. And he's, you know what's really an underrated ability, and it sounds sort of facetious, but... And a really underrated thing in rugby, I think, is try-scoring ability. Mm. And he just has it. He could just get to the try line. Like, we saw it last week against Scotland. Yeah, he might have passed it. He might have, you know, there might have been other things he could have done. But he just, you know, he got to the line. and He got the ball over the line. And he just he did that in the World Cup final. He just has a knack for popping up at these moments and scoring tries. Yeah. Now, and if he's playing himself into form, then that's really, really important. Um, for the Wallabies, uh, especially uh, with these next two games to come. Righto then, so I think that's um, probably enough talked about uh, with the French, with that French match. Um, a good win to go away with, and uh, we also managed to see a lot of players play um, that we wouldn't have otherwise. Hey, can I mention one, one, one quick thing just about Kurandrani? Go on. Um, we, we were on a Grand Slam tour, and obviously the French isn't a, a, a Grand Slam game, and Bobis will be inputting this if he wasn't uh, away at the moment. Kurandrani? Three games, three tries. Very Mark Eller-like at the moment. So, obviously, the two big tests to come, but uh, let's just keep a watching uh, brief on that one. Oh, very good. Yeah, that would be ex- that would be exciting. History in the making. Right, so mm. let's get to question number three. So, who are you most excited to see play for... <laughs> we've written it down as the French Barbarians. I think it's the for the Australian Barbarians against, against the French Barbarians. So... There's an interesting side here. Um, I think I'm going to quickly whip through the names because people might not have had a chance to see it um, or realise that it's going ahead. So it's happening. Is it Friday morning our time that it's happening? Yeah, 6.45, South Wales time. And I believe it's being streamed from um, rugby.com.au, so you can can definitely see it, probably watch it on the way to work or get to work early and watch it. Um, I think it's a handheld phone next to Michael Checker, so there might be some expletives or something (laughs) going going through. (laughs) Or it might be suddenly the screen might crack. Um, (laughs) So um, here's the Wallaby squad. So we've got Sam Carter, Nathan Charles, um, who's playing for Claremont, uh, Jack Dan. MC, Seth Fagazi, uh, Nick Frisby, Mark Gerrard, um, Andrew Kellaway, Peter Kimlin, who's playing at Grenoble, uh, Marika Corriabetti, uh, John A. Lance, uh, David Lolo Hayer, mm-hmm, there you go, Ben Moen, Takeli Nairavaro, um, Andrew Reddy, Isaiah Perezzi, uh, Tom Robertson, Paddy Ryan, Will Skelton, and Nick Sturzacker. And if you want to know the coaching staff, you've got Scott Wisemantle, who's um, assistant coach at Montpellier. Morgs Tiranui, who's down at Melbourne, Justin Harrison, um, who I've been seeing has been commentating, and then Chris Whitaker, who's, um, I think, coaching over at Montauban. Um, and yeah, as you say, 6.45. So um, that's one hell of a squad. Um, I must admit, <laughs> there's a few names that jumped out to me. Um, Reg, who jumped out to you? 
it's a fun squad, isn't it? And it's it's great. It'll be great to see the impact of these guys who are based away, and you know, obviously the the, the Moans and all that sort of stuff. But there's a, there's a couple of names, uh, and I'll just touch on one, Andrew Reddy. I mean, uh, I was interested in your comments there, Hugh, about Tolu Latu. I don't see it yet for Latu. Andrew Reddy's one who I'm I'm super impressed with, and you you talk about pilfering. This guy's got that skills. He's obviously got the challenge of getting over the top of Stephen Moore next year for the Reds. But uh, thrilled for Andrew Reddy. But the big one for me is Isaiah Parisi. The, the you know keeping it nice and Queensland for you. Don't know where he'll play. I assume he might play outside centre with Karabidi and Naravoro there, but uh, Parisi was dynamite in the NRC. Um, it just, he's such a young player still. I think he's only 20, 21, but he's got this wonderful balance. It's surprising speed. He, he looks only small, but he's he's got plenty of strength in that body and, and just runs the great line. And he is one of those ones, as you say, who, who is a try scorer. So, mate, uh, Parisi's the one that, that really stands out for me as a young player. And this is this is exactly what this game is about, giving him a, guy, a shot at that opportunity. Um, because interestingly, you, you say you don't know the French Barbarians, there's a guy on the opposite team there called Blair Connor who played for the Reds uh, back mm-hmm. in the late 2000s, who I was always a super fan from. I remember watching him play club footy for Norths um, up here in Brisbane with Jesse Mogg. They used to tear up the competition as teenagers. Uh, and I watched his career come through. He played in that ARC in 2007. Um, and unfortunately, it's been over to France for a lot of time. So I'm looking forward to seeing how his game has developed as well. Cool. All right. So, Hugh, who sticks out to you? Oh, I love this concept, man. I, I love yeah. the selections. Yeah. I love. I just love what they've done with it. I think it's fantastic. Gives and and getting some of those old guys in. I, I think that there's a couple like much like Reg, but I'll, I'll put my hand up for the forgotten man of Australian rugby, Ben Moen. Mm. Um, you know, you forget a few years ago he was the Wallaby captain, mm. and now he's running around and and uh, running around over in France for for Pau, I think. And uh, seeing how I haven't laid eyes on him for couple in that time and so I'd be really interested to see whether he's still got that form whether he's still a bit of a leader around the park the line out ability the whole works I'll also give a shout out to the coaching staff we, we've spoken in the last few weeks about lack of coaching pathways and no good Australian coaches out there well you know getting getting these guys Justin Harrison and Chris Whitaker and, and Scotty Wiseman in, in in and giving them a bit of a taste of international rugby hopefully they've spent some time around Michael Checker and Stephen Larkham and have, have got to see firsthand how the Wallaby camp runs I think I think sensational. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked and hope they hope they play well. Well, mate, the word is that one of the reasons why Ben Moen's come back is to pick up his top up. Um, you, you, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, been, it's been accruing. It's got interest, and so he's going to check in and, and pick that up. No, obviously it's a bit cruel. Um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing um, uh, Ben play as well. Look, I'm going to throw a couple of names in here. Um, one because again, Bobus, who can't be here tonight producing, um, would not let us get away without um, talking about Mark Gerrard. Um, mm. Wow, that's an interesting selection. Apparently, he's playing for Toyota in, in, over in Japan. Um, you know, Mark used to have problem with his hamstrings and groin um, when he was a young man. So, you know, goodness knows um, how he's getting along now. But probably the man with one of the biggest boots in Australian rugby. It'd be interesting to see him have a, a run around. I've almost got him in the Latham basket uh, myself. But it would be great to see him strap on the gold. And then, you know, as a, you know, I guess a more modern selection there, you know, Jack Dempsey. Um, he's had quite a ri- quite a rise and um, has you know continued to deliver. So it'd be interesting to see him kind of um, running around out there as well. Um, I notice here in the kind of release from the ARU, they're saying up to five players from this um, uh, will join the squad later in the week as the Wallabies uh, finalise their preparations for the Dublin Test. So it sounds like there's five more Wallabies coming into that group um, as well. So um, that'll that'll obviously um, 
uh, stick a bit more um, sort of, uh, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for, backbone into the squad um, as well. I mean, I don't know much about the... Anyone else, either of you guys know much around the, the background of this of this fixture and kind of how it's kind of come about? Because it's a little bit unusual. I mean, it's not quite like a dirt tracker type thing. It just seems a little bit left field. Have you, either of you guys heard much? No, it, it is really odd. I mean, I thought it was always one. They wanted these midweek games and that gave them a bigger squad. But it's like they've got half the professional rugby players in Australia and some even who are already over there, you know, sort of based over there. And, and you know, this David Lalalia and Seth Fagazi, mm. um, who are the backup props, have literally flown over, I think, yesterday. You know, they, they, as in leaving Australia yesterday, or maybe on, on Sunday night. So, look, they're going to be thrown straight in it. They're in, there for a week. They'll sit on the bench and maybe get 20 minutes towards the end. Um, and then they're back. But uh, it's, it's, it's a really odd experience. And there's always talk about what overseas-based Aussies might get a run. But, um, I, you know, I don't know. You know it, it's really interesting. I think we're all enthused by it. But I don't know what we'll get out of it, what checker will get out of it. Mm, I wonder if there's any of that... You know that that whole approach check is taken, which is just because you're over in Europe doesn't mean that you yeah. know, you'll be on the you know doesn't mean you've forgotten and you know and also just reminding clubs that hey we can pick these guys when we want. So I wonder if there's a little yeah. bit of that in there as well. I've got no doubt. Okay, so um, let's uh, let's keep it moving. So um, looking ahead now to next weekend and probably talking a little bit about last weekend as well. We've got the Irish. So question four is, what's the key to beating Ireland? Um, obviously, just a couple of weeks ago, they uh, managed to bust the world-breaking you know, winning record for, um, from the All Blacks by absolutely thrashing them in, in Chicago. Um, it, was, it was still a fairly close match, but they went down three tries to nil. I think it was 21 to nine at Lansdowne Road um, on the weekend. It was definitely a match that wasn't without incident. Um, but, which we can probably get on to uh, in, in question number five, what's it going to mean for us? What are we going to need to do? Hugh, what's, what's going to be the key in your mind? Well, it was a fantastic match, that Ireland All Bucks match, and, and unfortunately the Irish have, have a bit of a rate of attrition losing Johnny Sexton and um, CJ Stander and um, I think Matt Renshaw as well, Robbie Henshaw, sorry, um, Matt Renshaw's the bloke opening the bat oh, yeah, for <laughs> the cricket team. Um, but I, I don't think he'll be fronting up for Ireland either. But that, uh, <laughs> the uh, interestingly enough, um, the Irish had, you know, I thought about 95% possession in that game, but spent most of the time just outside the All-Back 22. I think the key for it, for the Wallabies is stopping the Irish uh, ball runners, the, the big forwards, the Jamie Heath slips, uh, the Sean mm. O'Briens, um, Devin Toner, those sort of guys. Um, uh, the captain, um, Rory Best. You know, th- these guys just getting a rumble on because that's what New Zealand did. And if you don't give that, that back line any ball to work with, any go-forward momentum, they can't do much. They don't have that sort of game-breaking presence in the back line. They, the, you know, Zebo um, is a good player. Um, Payne's a good player. Um, Carney's a good player. But none of them have that same game-breaking ability that, a, that an Israel Folau does or, or even a Tavita Kurandrani. Um so I think if we can, you know, limit that go-forward momentum, get up in that rush defence, rely on guys like, you know, um, Rory Arnold to come up and David Pocock as well as a key player, Michael Hooper, make those big key tackles, get them behind the game line, and I think uh, it'll become a much, much easier game for the Wallabies. If we can if we stop that go-forward momentum, it, it, it all gets easier. Mm. Okay, Reg, what about you, mate? Have, have you seen a bit of this? Oh, mate, I haven't seen... 
the game this weekend. I've caught the highlights. That's about it. But mm. um, uh, you know, reading some of the reports and so on. And once again, it's that the work at the breakdown that Ireland is so good at. Um, uh, Sean O'Brien is just superb, uh, and and I know he slips in wonderful form. But but the work of O'Brien and Best probably uh, around the rucks so important. So that was great to see Pocock back to his, you know, some of his best rugby, or at least that best best ruck rugby uh, that we love him here. And I know, I'd expect both Hooper and Pocock would start this weekend. So he sort of counter that sort of action there. So yeah, O'Brien Stand is out, so that's a big loss for him, and I, that's going to be a massive factor. He mentioned Stand and Sexton, but Henshaw's huge. Carney looks like he's probably going to be out. Zebo's going to be out. So we talked last week about the attrition rate uh, from this game versus the All Blacks, and it looks like that could be a, a massive factor. And, and you know, maybe that again, that's that's where credit to to Checker in terms of around. You know, we've had our players rested for a week. We've their guys have been absolutely battered both physically and probably mentally a little bit as well. Yeah. Look, I mean, one of the things that hit me, I, I, I did watch uh, at least a half of this match in full as well as some highlights, and I saw a lot of that. Um, I, and, I, and I also watched the uh, the first match in Chicago. Um, what's really struck me is that the attacking structures that both side both sides, sorry, I want to say, you know, Ireland and Australia play with are almost identical. Um, play, you know, a lot with that sort of um, false first line, and then they'll, you know, they'll then they'll sort of drag it out the back, um, looking to get wide, um, and then you know take the option every now and again to pop it on the inside to um, sort of like a back row or a forward. Um, but and I think where Ireland did better than Australia is obviously in their set piece. Um, you know, great line out, and the scrum was really solid as well, and they really made New Zealand pay with that um, in Chicago. didn't work quite so well, but it wasn't bad, again, at Lansdowne Road. I think where um, Australia might have a, a, a bit of a, you know, a, a, an advantage, though, might be around the dynamism um, of the back and the middle row, um, or even, and, and actually, even in some of our first-choice props, you know, um, so and, and, and front row. So I think that might be... Cause, and that's really key to that whole back line. And, and I think... Exactly what you were talking about there, Hugh, was that you know what the, the All Blacks managed to do was like to shut down that you know, any sort of um, ball carrying, getting over the gain line from the inside, and I think Stander going off was a massive blow um, to the Irish. Um, so you know, and I so I think you know expect like Tamani is a key player for us. Um, we're going to want to you know if Rob Simmons can kind of edge his you know meters per carry up into maybe even the single digit. Um, that might be able to help us as well because I think go forward is going to be really important. But if we can get that moving, and I think that's what we've been doing really, really well, then I think you can see um, we can you know st- start to get one over on them. Having said that, with all the Im- in- injuries they've got, you've got to think that maybe they'll just go back to Route 1 and we'll be seeing a lot of high ball, a lot of kick chase, which they did really well against the All Blacks again in Chicago. Um, that could, And depending on the weather, um, that could be, you know, easily that could be where they go. They've got a great line out. Um, they've got a really solid scrum. Um, so that could be where they come at us. So, look, yeah, they're going to be pretty beaten and they're going to be pretty bruised, but that's a good Irish team. And, um, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be easy. It, it could be a really, really interesting game. I don't know if – has anyone seen what the weather's looking like in Ireland this weekend? That could be, <laughs> that could be a good thing to check out, actually. Yeah, I haven't made, but what I want to see from the um, Wallabies is I want to see Salas attack up the middle. They, um, you know, it's something 
they Ireland, particularly in Chicago, fanned out and, and knew the All Blacks would run wide. But what we did versus Scotland, I thought we mixed our forward attack up really well. Cover off one off the ruck, um, but a couple of just pick and drives, and I think that's going to be a real opportunity for us um, uh, against the Irish um, uh, next weekend. And I don't know if anyone else has checked the weather, but it's currently looking at a for next Saturday a maximum of eight degrees. Mm. Well, mate, well, that is pretty balmy, mate. As, as long as it's not horizontal raining, I'll take that. No, it doesn't look like there's much rain, but uh, okay. there's not much uh, warmth either. So that's that's good news. So just maybe just focusing in on key players then for Australia, who needs to step up and have a good run out? I think Hugh, you've already talked about David Pocock. Do you think he's key, or is this? Yeah. Well, we saw Adi Savi wreak havoc at the breakdown um, for the All Blacks too. I mean, there's a lot of loose ball, a lot of um, Irish going in with unsupported carriers. So I think I'd expect Pocock to have a big game. Another big game for Lopetti Tamani. If it's going to be a big bruising forward battle, we need to get him with his hands on the ball and knocking bikes over, getting over the game line. So be looking out for a big game from him. Reg, who are you looking for? Uh, Sakopi, Kikepu, at number eight, uh, number three, tight head prop. He's got to lead the scrum. We've got to get that back, you know, uh, as rock solid as it has been. He'll be up against sort of Jack McGrath and, and probably, um, you know, up take a leaf out of Targ Furlong's book from last week. Big, strong runs, and, and Kepu's one that doesn't mind taking it straight up the middle, picking and driving himself. So Sakopi's got to be back to his best this week. Okay. And, uh, well, look, I'm going to say TK. Um He's got to keep that going. He's got to score at least one try, um, as we know, yeah. um, to, to you know to keep the Ella dream alive. Um, and I think it's you know it's not going to be a well, I don't think it's going to be a, a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be quite a bit of an a bit of an arm wrestle here. So I think one or two tries um, either way could make a big difference. And you know him busting as you say up the guts um, and at least checking defence could be really really important. Right, let's finish off then. Final question. Um, what caught your eye in the weekend internationals? <laughs> there was a quite a little bit that went on actually. Uh, Reg, what did catch your eye? Or were you too busy just basically chugging beer in the Blue Mountains? <laughs> there wasn't a lot of rugby watched other than thanks to SBS, the Wallabies. So I just got to go by results and, and again reading some of the reports. But the, the Wales thirty three to thirty win over Japan. It was was it a late minute drop goal themselves that secured that. The victory, but um, that was a really because it wasn't a full strength Japanese. So mm. I don't know that. So um, it was a, a remarkable uh, a game that, and whew, Wales just got away with it. Yeah, no, indeed. But um, there's a, there was another result there that kind of sticks out a little bit. Hugh, is that going to be yours? Yeah, yeah. Well, it has to be, doesn't it? The, the Springboks losing to Italy, and uh, big big trouble over there in, in Cam Springbok. Not a lot going right for them. I, I will say. We have. I don't know we're in any position to be too, too um, sort of uh, smug about it because we have lost to England plenty of times, and the Springboks lost to England, and and I don't think we've ever lost to Italy in Italy, but we've certainly come close the last mm. few times we've been there. So I know how much of a banana peel game that one can be. So um, be interested to see how they bounce back against Wales this week. The other one, I think, quickly, just give a shout-out to Scotland getting up over Argentina. Yep. I think uh, yep. uh, showing that that Scotland team, which we thought was a, was a good side and probably franking that, what, what we thought, and, and coming up against a pretty decent Argentinian side and, and, and putting them away with a late penalty after the siren to Greg Laidlaw. So um, well done 
to our Scottish friends. Yeah, 1916. Yeah. So look, yeah, some some very interesting results. Look, the the, the thing that I'm going to throw in there, and um, you know, especially for our, our Kiwi listeners, you'd be disappointed if I didn't. Um, throw <laughs> the few that are left. Yeah. Um, well, it's, I'm always I'm astounded there are any, but there you go. Um, <laughs> is uh, look, you know. Phew. Whether they were just accidents or what, but um, the All Blacks put it this way: they, um, you know, they were pretty desperate to win at Lansdowne Road, and there was some, you know, there was a few sort of high tackles and sort of dubious goings on. Um, you know, they they got yellow carded relatively early because they were just literally they were dropping any penalty, anyone, anything that came close to their half, and I, there was a lot of pressure, obviously, inwardly focused there. Um, now, whether that transferred to... I, I don't know how you have a conversation with a team that says, right, guys, we're going to knock at least three guys out with shoulders to the head um, and high tackles. Um, it, to me, it seems like that's just, you know, they're like accidents that happen when you're trying to pay hard, but um, I don't know if we... But, you know, set, but I think both Sam Kane and Fakatoa both got um, sighted. Uh, mm, I haven't heard anything though. All their tackles. Well, I haven't heard anything either. Yeah, but I mean, the Sam Kane one in slow motion does not look good. Um, there's not, you know, he's leading with a shoulder straight into a guy who's actually pretty much unsighted. So, um, anyway, we'll, we'll see what comes of that. But look, I, I think what was, you know, really, really obvious that it was that by hook or by crook, the All Blacks were going to um, win that win that match and um well i think it might have interestingly enough you know we've had run-ins with irish supporters saying about how fantastic their relationships are with the all black um it seemed to have turned a little bit sour um from last weekend's match so um you never know oh and the other thing i've got to say is the tmo calls in that all black match we were unbelievable um there was the held up try um which the team i was just desperate to give um and he's also desperate to make sure those head high tackles didn't get ruled on so i thought they were um absolutely ridiculous um but anyway so there you go i haven't disappointed i've had a whinge about the all black and the referee uh just to finish off the 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 podcast Um, can i I quickly quickly be because i am the voice yeah, the, the Kiwi audience love to hear I'm the favourite, obviously. Mm, but yeah. uh, I thought Aaron Smith was a bit unlucky to get a yellow card for what I thought was legal play. And I also think that uh, even if Bowden Barrett was held up, probably should have been a penalty try because Johnny Sexton clobbered Bowden Barrett around the head before he got uh, onto the ball. So that I, I still think the call is probably just favoured the All Blacks as one particular scrum infringement, uh, which has been floating around Twitter, which is quite staggering. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it was, it was a great game, though. If anyone hasn't seen it, I, I go go and see All Blacks on. Very willing, very physical contest. And I think the Irish might be a bit out on their feet. And I'll be surprised if they can get up and give the same level of effort against the Wallabies this week. Goddamn collaborator. Anyway, um, that, <laughs> that, that, that leaves it um, for this week. Um, thanks, Hugh. Thanks, Reg. No worries, guys. And um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll um, see you next week. Yeah.